Section 39 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Prince Who Could Not Laugh Once upon a time there reigned a King Suruchi in Matila. This king, having a son born to him, gave him the name of Suruchi Kumara, or Prince Splendid. When he grew up he determined to study at Takisila. So thither he went and sat down in a hall at the city gate. Now the son of the king of Benares also, whose name was Prince Brahmadatta, went to the same place, and took his seat on the same bench where Prince Saruchi sat. They entered into converse together, and became friends, and went both together to the teacher. They paid the fee, and studied, and ere long their education was complete. Then they took leave of their teacher, and went on their road together. After travelling thus a short distance, they came to a stop at a place where the road parted. Then they embraced, and in order to keep their friendship alive, they made a compact together. If I have a son and you have a daughter, or if you have a son and I have a daughter, we will make a match of it between them. When they were on the throne, a son was born to King Saruchi, and to him also the name of Prince Saruchi was given. Brahmadatta had a daughter, and her name was Sumeda, the wise lady. Prince Saruchi in due time grew up, and went to Takisila for his education, and that finished, returned. Then his father, wishing to mark out his son for king by ceremonial sprinkling, thought to himself, My friend, the king of Benares, has a daughter, so they say. I will make her my son's consort. For this purpose he sent an ambassador with rich gifts. But before they had yet come, the king of Benares asked his queen this question. Lady, what is the worst misery for a woman? To quarrel with her fellow wives. Then, my lady, to save our only daughter, the princess Sumeda, from this misery, we will give her to none but him that will have her and no other. So when the ambassadors came, and named the name of his daughter, he told them, Good friends, indeed it is true I promised my daughter to my old friend long ago. But we have no wish to cast her into the midst of a crowd of women, and we will give her only to one who will wed her and no other. This message they brought back to the king. But the king was displeased. Ours is a great kingdom, said he. The city of Matila covers seven leagues. The measure of the whole kingdom is three hundred leagues. Such a king should have sixteen thousand women at the least. But Prince Saruchi, hearing the great beauty of Sumeda, fell in love from hearing of it only. So he sent word to his parents, saying, I will take her and no other. What do I want with a multitude of women? Let her be brought. They did not thwart his desire, but sent a rich present and a great ambassador to bring her home. Then she was made his queen consort, and they were both together consecrated by sprinkling. He became King Saruchi, and, ruling in justice, lived a life of high happiness with his queen. But although she dwelt in his palace for ten thousand years, never son nor daughter she had of him. Then all the townsfolk gathered together in the palace courtyard, with upbraidings. "'What is it?' the king asked. "'Fault we have no other to find,' said they. "'But this, that you have no son to keep up your line.' You have but one queen, yet a royal prince should have sixteen thousand at least. Choose a company of women, my lord. Some worthy wife will bring you a son. 
Dear friends, what is this you say? I passed my word I would take no other but one, and on those terms I got her. I cannot lie, no host of women for me. So he refused their request, and they departed. But Sumeda heard what was said. The king refuses to choose him otherwise for his truth's sake, thought she. Well, I will find him someone. Playing the part of mother and wife to the king, she chose at her own will a thousand maidens of the warrior caste, a thousand of the courtiers, a thousand daughters of householders, a thousand of all kinds of dancing girls, four thousand in all, and delivered them to him. And all these dwelt in the palace for ten thousand years, and never a son or daughter they brought between them. In this way she three times brought four thousand maidens, but they had neither son nor daughter. Thus she brought him sixteen thousand wives in all. Forty thousand years went by, that is to say, fifty thousand in all, counting the ten thousand he had lived with her alone. Then the townsfolk again gathered together with reproaches. "'What is it now?' the king asked. "'My lord, command your women to pray for a son.' The king was not unwilling, and commanded so to pray. Thenceforward praying for a son, they worship all manner of deities and offer all kinds of vows, yet no son appeared. Then the king commanded Sumeda to pray for a son. She consented. On the fast of the fifteenth day of the month she took upon her the eightfold Sabbath vows, and sat meditating upon the virtues in a magnificent room upon a pleasant couch. The others were in the park, vowing to do sacrifice with goats or kine. By the glory of Sumeda's virtue, Saka's dwelling-place began to tremble. Saka pondered and understood that Sumeda prayed for a son. Well, she should have one. But I cannot give her this or that son indifferently. I will search for one which shall be suitable. Then he saw a young god called Nalakara, the basket-weaver. He was a being endowed with merit, who in a former life lived in Benares when this befell him. At seed-time, as he was on his way to the fields, he perceived a Paseka Buddha. He sent on his hinds, bidding them sow the seed, but himself turned back and led the Paseka Buddha home and gave him to eat, and then conducted him again to the Ganges bank. He and his son together made a hut, trunks of fig-trees for the foundation, and reeds interwoven for the walls. A door he put to it, and made a path for walking. There for three months he made the Paseka Buddha dwell, and after the rains were over, the two of them, father and son, put on him the three robes and let him go. In the same manner they entertained seven Paseka Buddhas in that hut, and gave them the three robes and let them go their ways. So men still tell how these two, father and son, turned basket-weavers and hunted for osiers on the banks of the Ganges, and whenever they spied a Paseka Buddha, did as we have said. When they died, they were born in the heaven of the thirty-three, and dwelt in the six heavens of sense, one after the other, in direct and in reverse succession, enjoying great majesty among the gods. These two, after dying in that region, were desirous of winning to the upper god-world. Saka, perceiving that one of them would be the Tathagata, went to the door of their mansion, and saluting him as he arose and came to meet him, said, 
sir you must go into the world of men but he said o king the world of men is hateful and loathsome they who dwell there do good and give alms longing for the world of the gods what shall i do when i get there sir you shall enjoy there all that can be enjoyed in the world of gods you shall dwell in a palace made with stones of price five and twenty leagues in height do consent he consented when Saka had received his promise in the guise of a sage he descended into the king's park and showed himself soaring above those women to and fro in the air while he chanted to whom shall i give the blessing of a son who craves the blessing of a son to me sir to me thousands of hands were uplifted then he said i give sons to the virtuous what is your virtue what your life in conversation they drew down their uplifted hands saying if you would reward virtue go seek sumeda he went his ways through the air and stayed at the window of her bedchamber then they went and told her saying see my lady a king of the gods has come down through the air and stands at your bedchamber window offering you the boon of a son with great pomp she proceeded thither and opening the window said is this true sir that i hear how you offer the blessing of a son to a virtuous woman it is and so i do then grant it to me what is your virtue tell me and if you please me i grant you the boon then declaring her virtue she recited these fifteen stanzas i am king ruchi's consort queen the first he ever wed with suruchi ten thousand years my wedded life i led suruchi king of matila vidheha's chiefest place i never lightly held his wish nor deemed him mean or base indeed or thought or word behind his back nor to his face if this be true o holy one so may that son be given but if my lips are speaking lies then burst my head in seven the parents of my husband dear so long as they held sway and while they lived would ever give me training in the way my passion was to hurt no life and willingly do right i served them with extremest care unwearied day and night if this be true etc no less than sixteen thousand dames my fellow-wives have been yet brahman never jealousy nor anger came between at their good fortune i rejoice each one of them is dear my heart is soft to all these wives as though myself it were if this be true etc slaves messengers and servants all and all about the place i give them food i treat them well with cheerful pleasant face if this be true etc ascetics brahmins any man who begging here is seen i comfort all with food and drink my hands all wash and clean if this be true etc the eighth of either fortnight the fourteenth fifteenth days and the special fast i keep i walk in holy ways if this be true o holy one so may that son be given but if my lips are speaking lies then burst my head in seven indeed not a hundred verses nor a thousand could suffice to sing the praise of her virtues yet saka allowed her to sing her own praises in these fifteen stanzas nor did he cut the tale short though he had much to do elsewhere then he said abundant and marvellous are your virtues then in her praise he recited a couple of stanzas 
All these great virtues, glorious dame, O daughter of a king, are found in thee, which of thyself, O lady, thou dost sing. A warrior born of noble blood, all glorious and wise, Videha's righteous emperor, thy son, shall soon arise. When these words she heard, in great joy she recited two stanzas, putting a question to him. Unkempt, with dust and dirt begrimed, high poised in the sky, thou speakest in a lovely voice that pricks me to the heart. Art thou a mighty god, O sage, and dwellst in heaven on high? O tell me whence thou comest here, O tell me who thou art. He told her in six stanzas. Saka, the hundred-eyed thou seest, for so the gods me call, when they are wont to assemble in the heavenly judgment hall. When women virtuous, wise, and good here in the world are found, true wives to husbands' mothers kind, even as in duty bound. When such a woman wise of heart and good indeed they know, to her, though woman, they divine the gods themselves will go. So, lady, thou, through worthy life, through store of good deeds done, a princess born, all happiness the heart can wish hast won. So thou dost reap thy deeds, princess, by glory on the earth, and after in the world of gods a new and heavenly birth. O wise, O blessed, so live on, preserve thy conduct right. Now I to heaven must return, delighted with thy sight. I have business to do in the world of gods, quoth he, therefore I go, but do thou be vigilant. With his advice he departed. In the morning time the god Nalakara came down and was conceived. When she discovered it, she told the king, and he did what was necessary for a woman in her state. At the end of ten months she brought forth a son, and they gave him Mahapanada to his name. All the people of the two countries came crying out, My lord, we bring this for the boy's milk bunny, and each dropped a coin in the king's courtyard. A great heap there was of them. The king did not wish to accept this, but they would not take the money back, but said as they departed, When the boy grows up, my lord, it will pay for his keep. The lad was brought up amid great magnificence, and when he came of years, I no more than sixteen, he was perfect in all accomplishments. The king, thinking of his son's age, said to the queen, My lady, when the time comes for the ceremonial sprinkling of our son, let us make him a fine palace for that occasion. She was quite willing. The king sent for those who had skill in divining the lucky place for a building, and said to them, my friends, get a master mason and build me a palace not far from my own. This is for my son, whom we are about to consecrate as my successor. They said it was well, and proceeded to examine the surface of the ground. At that moment Saka's throne became hot. Perceiving this, he at once summoned Visakama and said, Go, my good Visakama, make for Prince Mahapanada a palace half a league in length and breadth and five and twenty leagues in height, all with stones of price. Visakama took on the shape of a mason, and approaching the workman said, Go and eat your breakfast, then return. Having thus got rid of the men, he struck on the earth with his staff. 
in that instant up rose a palace seven stories high of the aforesaid size now for mahapanada these three ceremonies were done together the ceremony for consecrating the palace the ceremony for spreading above him the royal umbrella the ceremony of his marriage at the time of the ceremony all the people of both countries gathered together and spent seven years of feasting nor did the king dismiss them their clothes their ornaments their food and their drink and all the rest of it these things were all provided by the royal family at the seven years end they began to grumble and king suruchi asked why o king said they while we have been reveling at this feast seven years have gone by when will the feast come to an end he answered my good friends all this while my son has never once laughed so soon as he shall laugh we will disperse again then the crowd went beating the drum and gathered the tumblers and jugglers together thousands of tumblers were gathered and they divided themselves into seven bands and danced but they could not make the prince laugh of course he that had seen the dancing of dancers divine could not care for such dancers as these then came two clever jugglers bandukana and pandukana crop ear and yellow ear and they said we will make the prince laugh bandukana made a great mango tree which he called sanspareil grow before the palace door then he threw up a ball of string and made it catch on a branch of the tree then up he climbed into the mango sanspareil now the mango sanspareil they say is a visavana's mango and the slaves of the visavana took him as usual chopped him up limb meal and threw down the bits the other jugglers joined the pieces together and poured water upon them the man donned upper and under garments of flowers and rose up and began dancing even the sight of this did not make the prince laugh then pandukana had some firewood piled in the courtyard and went into the fire with his troop when the fire was burnt out the people sprinkled the pile with water pandukana with his troop rose up dancing with upper and under garments of flowers when the people found they could not make him laugh they grew angry saka perceiving this sent down a divine dancer bidding him make prince mahapanada laugh then he came and remained poised in the air above the royal courtyard and performed what is called the half-body dance one hand one foot one eye one tooth go a-dancing throbbing flickering to and fro all the rest stone still mahapanada when he saw this gave a little smile but the crowd roared and roared with laughter could not cease laughing laughed themselves out of their wits lost control of their limbs rolled over and over in the royal courtyard that was the end of the festival the rest of it great panada mighty king with his palace all of gold must be explained in the mahapanada birth king mahapanada did good and gave alms and at his life's end went to the world of gods end of section thirty nine